0: My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom.
1: I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds, and keep covering up the sun.
0: Thank you for listening to the first episode of Just a Mom. This podcast has been in the works for a long time, and at first I didn't want to do it. It's really difficult to be open and vulnerable like this. But finally, after three years, I've jumped in 100%. I'm following the brave trail blazed by my son by being open and honest about our journey. My whole goal is to help parents know that they are not alone and there is hope. This first episode is unique, and at least right now, I think it will be the only time I interview a child. But I had to start with this episode and this child because just a mom wouldn't be in existence without him. I'm interviewing my son, Will, the one who struggles with mental illness. I needed Will to tell his story so you can understand how my journey as a parent has evolved. Again, thanks for listening to Just a Mom. Now here's my interview with Will. So Will, <laughs> thank you for being with me today. Yeah. So why don't you just give us a little bit of background on how your struggle started, when it started and what happened, you know, as things got worse for
1: you. Hi, I'm Will. Uh, Will Gurley. I am Susie's son and also the uh, studio engineer of this episode. I've been teaching her how to set up all of her audio stuff, which Which is is
0: a challenge.
1: It's not that you're a quick learner. (laughs) Um, That's what I do. I'm a a musician and actor and all sorts of other fun things. I have struggled with depression and anxiety for the last I don't know how many years.
0: Okay. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that started for you?
1: So maybe back in in 6th grade ish, uh, I was in a new school, middle school, and um you know, friend groups were shifting and all sorts of stuff was happening, and I started to get like a little nagging in the back of my head that was like, "Oh, you need to dress this way or you're going to look stupid if your hair isn't long or whatever. Cause I had a buzz cut. Um, and all these little things snagging at the back of my head for a while. And, you know, I ignored them cause I was a teenage boy, preteen boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you do. It's not what you're supposed to do, but that's what, that's what happens. Um, and that nagging started to grow and started to get more destructive. Um, in what way? It was, um, well, it started off very small in terms of, like, like uh, they're probably looking at you funny or whatever. But then it's like, oh, nobody likes you. When you do that, everybody's going to think you're a bad person or you're weird and, and not cool to hang out with. And all the girls are going to think you're stupid. Um, and that kind of kept growing because I didn't address it at all, address it at all. And I'm trying to think from probably sixth grade to eighth grade, I thought, Oh, I'm a, I'm a man. I don't need to think about my feelings. I don't need to talk about my feelings.
0: So you didn't talk to anybody. You didn't talk to your parents. You didn't talk to your siblings, teacher, pastor,
1: friends. No. Okay. (laughs) No. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe I said something about it in passing to my friends, but nothing, like, actually deep or anything. Okay. No actual conversations about it. Just because, you know, you're you're a young man. You're supposed to be tough. Okay. Um, and then it got to a point where it was, like, starting to become harmful to me because I was realizing, realizing, put in finger quotes because it's not an actual realization. But I was, like, starting to realize, like, oh, this this sucks and i'm starting to like become numb i want to feel something again so i started hurting myself which is hashtag not great Mm -hmm.
0: and what way did you hurt yourself
1: um i would i would cut myself which is not very fun um and that i'm trying to even think that was around the same time i think as i started getting anxiety attacks Mm -hmm. um which if you do not know what those are, those are basically, um, and I'm also not a mental health professional. So don't take my word for like a blanket experience, at least in my experience, it's where you have one of those nagging thoughts and instead of it just kind of like nagging, it starts to grow and, and balloon into something really big really quickly. Um, and it just kind of catches everything on fire and, and, um, it, may it can constricts your breath, it makes it hard to breathe. Um you can't really think about anything else, you start crying and it's generally not a very fun experience.
0: So this is happening, you're having anxiety attacks, you're cutting and this is all at what point?
1: This is 8th grade. Okay. And that starts happening more frequently and it's um becoming more of a problem because it's starting to get harder to function without having those thoughts or actions come up. It all just keeps growing until, at some point, I realize that, like, I can't keep living like this.
0: At this point, had you thought about suicide?
1: Yes. Did um, you have a plan? Probably. Um, if you listen to my song—this is new info for you, too—if you listen to my song, November Again, which is— Shameless plug on my newest album that just dropped, uh, called High School. Um, there's a line, uh, ceiling fan I can't turn on anymore because that was my plan. Hmm. Yeah. Hard to hear. Yeah. Okay. It's hard to say. Okay. Um, so that was November, hence the name November again.
0: November and you're 13 years old. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, at what point did you decide I'm not going to end my life, and I don't like how I feel, and I need to do something about that?
1: This could be real hard for you to hear. Uh, sorry in advance, but this is what it's for. Um, I was getting ready to do that plan, and I was attempting to write a note, and I couldn't get myself to cry. (sighs) And I was like, man, I can't even cry about this. Like, this is, this ain't right. This isn't how life is supposed to be. We're supposed to feel things, good and bad, and, and I'm not feeling anything. I'm feeling, obviously, bad, but it's like... I think that was the point where I kind of realized that I couldn't kill myself. I don't know if it was a pride thing, or or what, or a God thing. I'm, for context, I'm a Christian, um, but something. I have a I have a monologue that I did for all my college auditions this year, from a play called Tigers Be Still by Kim Rosenstock, and there's a line. At that point, I thought all I could do was kill myself. But then I realized that I had two options. Kill myself or do something. Mm. And that's why I chose that monologue. Because mm. that's pretty much the thought process that I had. Was like... I can sit here and wallow and die. Or I can do something and change that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That was November. I don't know when you guys were on your golf trip where I emailed. So, that was April. That was April?
0: Mhm.
1: Oof. <laughs> Sorry. So why
0: did it take you so long to
1: Uh because I was arrogant and thought I could do it by myself. Okay. I don't know if arrogance is the right word. I was deer's. I was horse blinders. Okay. Which is a common anxiety thing where you focus in on okay. one thing and kind of block everything else out.
0: But at this point, would you say between November and April, were you still suicidal? Were you still At points. having thoughts? But you were trying to fix it yourself. You're trying yes. to get better by yourself. Yes. I without was trying telling to f- anybody. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Because once again, I was a young man in an American school system. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be macho and play sports and, and be strong and like girls and stuff and all that cool thing. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, nobody needs to know about this so I can just try and do it all myself. And so for a while I tried to do it and those thoughts obviously did not go away because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any coping strategies. I didn't know how to process through emotions or anything. And so I was definitely close to, um, the point that I was at in November, somewhat frequently as we continued going. And I was still, um, hurting myself, which is hard. Um, but I, I don't know if I had completely bought into the message of like, I need to do something instead of kill myself. I was just kind of like, I can't kill myself.
0: Okay. So what was the Was there an event or was there something that made you all of a sudden say, you know what? I need to ask for help. I can't do this anymore.
1: Yes, there was. Okay. I was at um, our friend, my friend Jake and I went to Comic-Con every year and you guys were out of town. And so I went and stayed with them. And so we went to Comic-Con during the day. um, And then that evening I was sleeping or i don't know i was in in a room i was sitting on a recliner actually and i had an anxiety attack and there was nobody around and it was pretty scary um and at that point i was like this isn't something that i can do by myself because if i'm like like struggling to stay conscious during an anxiety attack like that's probably not a great thing um and i've been trying to do it by myself and it's obviously not working Uh, So the next week, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I emailed my school counselor and was like, hey, um, here's what's happening. Can you help? (laughs) Question mark.
0: So what happened after that?
1: Well, very quickly, they were like. Oh, hey, you need to come to the office. We need to figure this out.
0: So they just sent you a hall pass or whatever they did at that time. I don't even remember. Somebody, yeah, but somehow...
1: Yeah, somehow I ended up in the school counselor's office. came and got you office. and said,
0: Come on, we're going to... So you're in the school counselor's office. And
1: they're talking to me and they call you, which I... I was like, shoot. Because they were on a golf trip in Florida or something.
0: It was our 25th anniversary.
1: Oof, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... Um... And they call you, and so obviously you're like, all right, we're coming home. And thankfully, I mean, my dad is a doctor, so he is fairly well connected in the world of of doctors. And so we were able to get um, meeting with a psychiatrist, an appointment, sorry, with a psychiatrist, and, and get started with a therapist almost immediately. Yeah,
0: we. so yeah, in case you don't remember, we we were able to get into the therapist and I'd already been vetting them because you had kind of said that you were having some anxiety just to be fair back, you know? And so I was like, okay, we'll find some help. And I had been looking for a therapist. So I already had names. And when I got the call from the school, then I called the friend who gave me the names and said, who of this list would you try first? And she said, I would try this one. And so I did, and thankfully she called me back and was able to get you in within a matter of days, which is not always mm-hmm. the case. It's usually not the case. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we were with you at that time. We took you in to see her, and she spent a couple of hours with you. And then that was when she called your father and me back in and said, I believe he's clinically depressed. I think he needs to see a physician because— counselors or psychologists cannot prescribe medication physicians can so you know all of this is happening pretty quickly for us of course for will pretty quickly for you well yeah i mean this had been going on for months for will but for us i mean this was all like boom 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 we're like oh okay so that was when your father made a phone call to his friend who is a psychiatrist a child psychiatrist very good one and he said i want to see him tonight so
1: yeah and um we went to that office and he talked to me and was like okay go pick up your prescription in a couple hours mm-hmm. and um so i started on so did
0: you feel better immediately was it like the <laughs> next day you woke up and you're like oh my gosh i'm cured
1: so for almost so it was april so july august so probably 4 or 5 months um i was in three times a week one on one therapy and I don't remember how often group therapy was. Three be. times a week. Three times yeah. a week group therapy. So I was in therapy six times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the office that I saw the psychiatrist at was the same place that um, group therapy was. Because
0: um, you would see This him. is an
1: important through line that we're going to follow up on here in a few minutes. So pay attention to that.
0: <laughs> because he, he you saw him once a week at yeah. the same time. So oh, he I did?
1: Were, mm-hmm. I don't you remember are
0: seeing people left and right Man, i don't
1: remember that mm-hmm. um
0: no, he was monitoring how you were doing and with your medication and yeah. so you didn't just immediately feel better the medicine you didn't take a pill and you woke up the next day and you were like oh my gosh i feel great uh, no
1: no actually still i mm. deal with anxiety and depression five years later
0: so what about this whole process of being in therapy six days a week meeting with a doctor once a week taking medicine how did this all work to quote-unquote make you better
1: i don't remember how far into it we were but dana said i can only do so much i can only give you tools you're the one who has to use them and you're the you are working on them you're using them and you're trying to get better. You want to get better. And that's the only way you're going to get better is if you actively work on it. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is very important, but it's also something that you have to recognize when trying to help other people. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to get better, you can't make them. Right. And that's something that I've struggled with because, you know, after this, we'll we'll get into this, but a little foreshadowing after You Matter started, I had a lot of contact with a lot of people who dealt with mental health issues. And I was like, oh, I want to fix you, but if you don't want to get better, I can't help you. Right. And also, fixing people is not a great mindset to be in. Right. But um, so we're doing that. I'm working at Deanna Rose. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, after we finished our Deanna Rose shift, where Deanna Rose is a farmstead. And me and my best friend worked in the goat pens. It was quite the time. I don't like goats anymore. (laughs) Um, It was
0: because it was something. The reason we had you do that was because, number one, we, we knew you were safe there. Yeah. Number two, it was doing something for somebody else, which is something that the experts say when you are having a lot of trouble with depression in particular can be a helpful tool. One of many helpful tools. Doing something for someone else.
1: Well, I hated it. So it <laughs> obviously was swinging the miss
0: on our part. But <laughs>
1: sorry, um, it was awful. It was the worst. <laughs> I um, it was not very fun. But I remember you would pick me up after that, and I would go to group therapy. And and I would go and do group therapy. And I remember one lesson that I still remember is there was like a bottle. They say when you have anxiety, depression, OCD fill in the blank and things happen in your day you pour a little bit of water or baking soda or vinegar into the into the bottle and then as that keeps going and you put your cap on and you pour more and you put the cap on and at some point the bottle is so full and the cap is still on that it just spews out and that's what we call bottling our emotions. So instead of doing that, what was that? Good visual. Yeah, very good. Uh, I still think about it all the time. Um, And this was four and a half years ago. Instead of bottling your emotions, you have to, you know, open the cap a little bit and vent it out. And that is called processing emotions. So how
0: how did you do that, Will? Oh, man. Because you're a 14-year-old boy and you're thinking okay, I have these emotions and what I was doing, the cutting and the suicidal ideation, that wasn't really working for me. I didn't like that. So now what am I going
1: to do? I think I still have the papers where I wrote out on the back lyrics to songs. And I'm, are you a
0: songwriter at this point no, at 14 years no. old?
1: So at 14 years old, I'm know five or six years into being a bass player so i've been playing the bass guitar for a hot minute and you know i enjoyed playing i hadn't really played guitar at all and nothing else really um but i loved music and so all of a sudden you know they're like do an artistic thing to help process your emotions i'm like I like music. Let's write songs.
0: So an artistic thing could be drawing, painting, yeah. sculpting, poetry.
1: Yes, I do lots of that now.
0: Music. But at that time, you're like, well, I can. I was like, well, I write. can
1: probably write music, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even though I think I had tried to write music before, and I was never very good at it, or at least I didn't ever try very hard. Um, and then... You know, I wrote some songs, and I played music, and I listened to music, and music quickly became very, very important to me, and it shaped the relationship that I still have with music now. Which is? Which is, I use music as a way to process through my daily emotions, and I see it as Almost like a like a spiritual expression.
0: So what you're saying is that a significant piece of your mental health journey to toward wellness because I don't want to say healing. Yeah. I think wellness is a better way to phrase it. Yeah, I agree. Mental wellness was finding something that you were very passionate about that you could do by yourself, any anytime, any place, pen and paper, pencil and paper, yeah. instrument. and it was an artistic expression. So were these early things that you wrote were these things that people liked to listen to? No. Mm, I, I actually that was a loaded question yes, it because was. I yes, there was some of that early stuff was pretty tough. And there was you want to tell them tell the listeners a little bit about a particular phone call I got from a teacher. Do you remember that? Yes,
1: I do. Yes. um, I don't remember when in my freshman year this was, but this <laughs> is <laughs> I know, but this is freshman year at this point, you know i had a I had another tough November um, and when was this? So
0: it was just, it was early December. Okay. So
1: mm-hmm. this is post post November post um kind of relapse. I kind of fell back mm-hmm. a little bit in terms of my recovery, mm-hmm. um, due to some external factors.
0: Which is not unusual. Yeah. Again, this is yeah. a journey, not to oh, yeah. take a pill and you get better.
1: Exactly. I was writing these songs and they were very depressing. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to any of them in years because I don't think I should. Mm-hmm. I um, haven't either. And with the teacher of the class that I would write and record this music in, um, you know, I have to turn it in for a grade. Mm-hmm. And she listens to it and she's like, uh, hey, Mrs. Gurley, this is like really upsetting to listen to. Um, and so they call you in and mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is how I work through my stuff. And I think that was kind of the first time that you heard any of that. Oh, yeah.
0: And so I immediately called your therapist. And I tried really hard not to do that, like, every day when something would, you know, be like, oh, my gosh, this is going on. But that was a day that I did immediately call and say, "Uh, do we need to do something about this? And she—and I still remember this because I had—even sometimes now when I listen to some of the songs that you've written or even presently writing— Sometimes they're hard to listen to, or there are parts that are hard for me, just knowing your journey. Um, And she told me, she said, no, this is what we want. This is healthy. And it took me aback for a moment. I was like, there's nothing about this that's healthy. Are you reading and listening to these lyrics? She said, yes, this is very healthy because he's expressing how he feels in a constructive way. He's not hurting himself. He's not thinking about suicide. He is expressing his emotions in an artistic form. So that was pretty revolutionary, I think, for both your father and me. From then on, that was kind of a turning point for me just with your music in general, just how important it was in your life just for your mental wellness and it is i mean like you said every day yeah all right so you're writing things that are tough you've been through lots of therapy you've said some things that our listeners probably have never heard another human being actually verbalized before Some of our listeners, the things that you're willing to, that you're willing to talk about are things that a lot of people are not willing to actually say out loud. Some of our listeners might right now be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. This this could never happen to my kid. Other listeners are saying, oh my gosh, I thought my child was the only one going through this.
1: And let me say, if... If you're in the camp of, oh, my child can never think this. One, that's a totally normal response to have. You shouldn't be upset for thinking that. But also, that is a flawed way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Because growing up, I was the ball of energy kid. I was the kid who ran up to random people at any event just to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I was always super energetic and happy and like...
0: almost in your face yeah yeah. very i was i was kind of annoying kid no you were the life of the party
1: yeah life of the party that's a good way to put it Mm -hmm. thinking that 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 can never be your kid is um potentially a dangerous way of Mm -hmm. thinking And i'm not saying that you're wrong for thinking that i'm just saying that if you think that you should check up Mm -hmm. do an evaluation of how you're observing Mm -hmm. things You guys hearing my music obviously was very hard, but writing it and recording Mm -hmm. it opened doors that I would never have known existed Mm -hmm. uh, in my life. At the same time I was starting to write and record music, I was in the acting one class at the high school Mm -hmm. because I needed a fine arts credit. And I'd always kind of been interested in the dramatics, Mm -hmm. as my parents are well aware. Mm And I fell in love with it. It was amazing. And so I had these two constructive, Mm -hmm. creative outlets. In music and in theater and acting and drama. So that was a really good thing to have. I had both of these outlets Mm -hmm. processed through my emotions. So we're going. We're having some times that are better than others. Mm -hmm. And we get to... February of 2018. Mm-hmm. You're 15 so years old. I'm we're 15 years old.
0: About a year into this journey as far as we knew. But yeah, <laughs> and
1: about a month into the journey of looking for a new school. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
0: and very briefly, why was that important to you?
1: I had immersed myself in a very toxic group of people at uh, my previous school that were and, and words that we use and still use, they were taking life away from me instead of giving me life. Mm-hmm. They were sucking life instead of breathing life. Kay. And so we're starting to look for a new school for me. Mm-hmm. And I watched the Grammys in February of 2018 and saw this dude who I knew existed but didn't really know anything about. I saw Logic perform his song one 273 8255
0: and what is that number, Will?
1: That phone number is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline's phone number. And if you haven't listened to the song, do yourself a favor. Go listen mm-hmm. to it. It's amazing. It was like a the Eureka. I'm in the bathtub. Eureka moment. <laughs> um, and I kind of see something that i would never seen before. I see music and I see... Mental health awareness, and I see those two married perfectly in this song on national television, international television for millions of people to see. I'm like, hey, I write music like this, right? I write music that is how I process through things. This dude has an enormous audience and is also writing that music, but is doing it to make sure that people know that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And to know that there's help there. And that kind of lit a fire on under my chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need to do something with this. I need to do something with my music to let other people know that it's okay to feel bad, but also to know that you matter.
0: And there's Roll help. credits. And there is help available.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's help available. And that was the inception of the You Matter Festival, a music festival promoting mental health awareness and suicide prevention. And we are going into our fifth year of working on the fifth festival. Our whole goal from day one, and I said this a lot, was if we help one person, it's all success.
0: And you sharing your story is actually what has given me the courage to share my story, our story, and hopefully help anyone who might be listening.
1: Very cool, Susie. (laughs) Thank you, Will.
0: So tell me a little bit about the rest of high school. So were you all of a sudden cured?
1: No, no. Um, Mental health isn't like physical health in the way that, oh, I'm sick, and then now I'm better, and there's no residual at all. It's like, oh, I have... I don't know, arthritis, because arthritis isn't something I, I don't know, I'm not a medical professional, but like, on um, of my understanding, you don't just like get rid of arthritis. It's always there. Um, this is not a great metaphor.
0: <laughs> no, it's, I think it is because it's something that you learn how to manage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are ups and downs, even still, I mean, five years later that you know, I have bad days, and that's fine because I'm human, and everybody has bad days. Um, but you know, there were times in high school that I was doing really well, and there are other times where you know things were more difficult for me, and where my anxiety or my depression was um, was a little bit tougher to deal with. But I, you know, I stayed with um, my therapist, and I continued to talk to my parents and to my friends about these things. Um, did you
0: stay on medication?
1: No, I actually, um, I got off of my medication. Uh, I think it was—I don't even know when I got off of it. it. Was
0: right before your senior year.
1: Oh, okay. It was so right before my on, senior year. Yeah,
0: you stayed on medication throughout most of your high school career.
1: I felt pretty good. Um, you know, I'd been on it for almost three years at that point. Um, so that was a change for sure. And it, it took a little bit of getting used to an adjustment without it, but you know, I, I felt like I was in a good spot with, um, you know, how I was coping and, and my support group that I was around and that was really great. Um, and then, you know, after my senior year, I started having some, some issues with anxiety and headaches. And so I ended up getting back on a different medicine. Um, and, and that's been working really well for me so far. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm still on uh, medicine for, for anxiety.
0: Let's go back again to high school in a, in a different way. Let's talk about COVID. So, of course, everyone in the world was affected by COVID in some way or another. As someone who struggled with depression and anxiety, what happened to you when on March 13th, 14th, whatever day it was, all of a sudden you find out oh there's not going to be any more school for the rest of the year and everyone is supposed to stay home and not see anyone
1: i generally like to be around people um so that was hard but i thought it was kind of fun at first because i didn't have to go to school i got to you know play music all day every day and that's pretty much exactly what i did i you know, played drums all the time and I worked on big songs and for the first week or two, that was really awesome. And then it started to not be so awesome because that was all I was doing. I was going and locking myself in the music room for eight to 10 hours a day and only coming out for meals in the bathroom sometimes. And I realized that I do need a routine and kind of a a schedule of things to do. And I was bored and school, online school was not particularly challenging. Um, so I actually went and got a job. I started working at a grocery store since that was, you know, essential and people were allowed to work there and they were always looking for people to work. Um, so I went and was a cashier at a, at a grocery store for like a month and a half. And that was really nice um, while I was, you know, doing my classes and then I would do dance two or three times a week on Zoom. We cleared out a little space on our on our floor that I could call in to do my ballet and jazz classes, and that was a good way to get me up in the morning and, and get things moving.
0: Would you say that part of your saying, hey, mom, dad, I think I would like to get a job, was a result of All of the therapy that you've done, knowing yourself, how would you answer that question?
1: I think it was a combination of, you know, the therapy that I've done and then also just getting older and more mature, I guess, because I had I, I was mature enough to know that I was bored and in need of not only structure, but interaction with people Um, and, and that definitely came from a number of factors, including both therapy and, and maturity and talking with you guys all the time. Um, so I think those played into that.
0: What are you doing now, Will?
1: I am heading to Shenandoah Conservatory, which is in Virginia. It is in Winchester and I will be studying musical theater. You know, I'm definitely anxious about it, but I feel like that's a kind of an inevitable thing. I mean, it's a big change from, from what I'm used to. It's a long way from home. And so the anxieties that I'm feeling aren't like crazy out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like they're they're fairly well justified, but I, I am very hopeful, very excited that I'm, I'm going in the right direction.
0: So would you say at this point that your mental health is perfect?
1: No, no, absolutely not. I mean, there are always hard days. And, and hard weeks, and hard months, and hard semesters, and that's not gonna change, and that's part of what being human is. Um, everybody has mental health, and there are going to be days where everybody, even if you don't struggle with a mental illness, that you know, you're know you not feeling great, and that's okay. And you know I have the You Matter Festival, and I'm talking on your podcast, and I speak to schools and stuff, And I still sometimes have to, you know, go back to my therapist. I was just there a couple days ago. So, no, my mental health is not perfect, but nobody's is.
0: So, Will, in closing, what advice would you give parents if you could rewind the clock and you're where you are now, but you're watching me parent 13, 14, 15-year-old Will? What would you tell parents that would help them, encourage them?
1: If you see your kid is like, obviously they need to go to school and stuff, but if there's an extracurricular that your kid is, like, consistently getting, like, really anxious or depressed or angry about, like, maybe talk to them and and evaluate that and see if that's a healthy thing that they need in their life. But also... Don't just assume your kid's okay. This is hard for you to hear, Mom. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's okay. But That's why we're here. Yeah. Don't just assume your kid's okay because they're getting A's in their classes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't struggle very much in school, and my grades never once slipped during mm-hmm. my mental health crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. True.
1: So, just because, you know, your kid's passing his classes, mm-hmm. getting getting A's on their tests, like, doesn't mean they're okay. Right. So, check in. Often, don't be overbearing in it, but, you know, create trust in the relationship where your child can come to you when they're feeling depressed, anxious. I don't know what the word is for OCD, but.
0: Mm-hmm. Out of control. Out of
1: control. That's a good word. Um, and be open to having those conversations.
0: I would take it even a step further. And I think we've talked about this in the past. If I could go back and do things over again, I would start at a very young age, helping you assign words to feelings and looking for healthy outlets Because I don't think we did. I mean, we never thought about that. And there are some really great programs that they've started in schools now. The Sources of Strength is a big one. And they start in elementary and they work on this. But, you know, we can't count on the schools to do everything. We are parents. And this is something that we need to be teaching our kids at home, too. Okay, when you're feeling frustrated and you're angry and you want to hit or kick or you know, something that's not good or healthy, then let's think about what are some ways we can deal with that in a more constructive way and what are you actually feeling? Because sometimes you're not feeling angry, you're feeling sad and it just shows up as anger and that was That was me. Yeah. (laughs) So I would say to parents who have young kids who may have just stumbled on this podcast and you think this doesn't apply to you, no, it really does. And if I could be in your shoes, I would really be working on my children's mental health at a very young age because it is part of all human beings. God gave us our minds and he also allows these things to happen and we need to help our kiddos Assign words and find healthy ways to deal with what it is that they're feeling. Any other tidbits, Will?
1: Um. You matter, no matter what. A <laughs> little yep. cliche. No, it's not. Just because I, I mean, that's my job now is, is the You Matter Festival. But I, I mean it every time I say it. You matter, no matter what. Yep. And if you find something constructive or healthy to process through things. Or if your kid finds something like that, lean into that.
0: Mm -hmm. And you are not alone. Mom, dad, kids struggling.
1: Yeah. You're not alone. You're hearing us talk about it. Every week we get people who talk to us, who message us or call us and say, hey, my fill in the blank is struggling with this. Thanks for talking So that we know that we're not alone. Like hundreds and hundreds of people have have told us that. So just know that you are not alone, even though you feel like it.
0: And as we close, I just want to remind everyone, if you or someone you love is feeling suicidal or showing signs of wanting to self-harm, Will, can you give us one more time that number to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, please? I would
1: love to. 1-800-273-8255.
0: Thank you for listening. This has been the first episode of Just a Mom. At the time of this recording, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline had not yet released its new easy-to-remember number, 988. It is now operational and ready to receive calls. If you or anyone you know are struggling with mental health issues, please call 988 to talk to someone. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988.
1: sun. I want to see you smile again. Take away that pain in them clouds. that keep covering up the sun.
0: If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.